Please be seated. It's great to see everyone uh, this morning. I, um, as I often do, was just laboring in prayer over this church yesterday and over the last 24 hours, just really sensed uh, the Lord saying how, um, how much He was anticipating touching down in some hearts today and blessing some lives. Now, here's the way it works sometimes. Sometimes we, we come to a church, we get around brothers and sisters, and we don't get anything out of it because we don't bring anything into it. Sometimes we, we come into it with hearts that are seeking after God, and um, we may not feel like there was some great revelation or some experience with the Lord, but walking away just with an awareness that God was, was with us is sometimes enough. And there will be a few of you today who I may not even hear the stories that God's going to touch down in your heart and send a blessing into your life and give you this rich experience with Him. And then you have to discern what you do with the blessing. Do you take the blessing and use it to encourage other people? Or sometimes I think the call of God in our lives is you need to sit with the blessing until the blessing has its way with you before you dispense it on Facebook, Twitter, email, text messaging, whatever it may be. Uh, so I'm just excited to be with the people of God this morning. I need you. We need each other. Eric, dude, when you led us in communion a minute ago, I sat there and I was like, dude, I don't want a little pinch of cracker and a little sip of juice. I want the full feast this morning. Like, I want that messianic agape feast. Oh, sits, waits. I, I almost stood up here and was like, can somebody go get the fatted pig right now? Because we don't do fatted calves in Memphis. Somebody go get the fatted pig and some fried okra and banana pudding, and we'll pull out the bread and the cup, and we will enjoy this feast with the Lord. I love you. I love your family. It's so good to see the Wilsons this morning. Um, we have four interns this summer, two youth interns. We have a children's ministry intern, and we also have, for the first time, at least in a long, long time, a preaching-slash-worship intern. Armani, will you go ahead and come up here uh, to the stage? Most of you, if you've been here over the last five weeks, you've seen Armani. He's led worship a few times. He's preached uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Armani grew up in upstate New York, um, has already graduated undergrad from Pepperdine, is now working on both a law degree and a... Uh, master's degree in Bible. Um, so I, I, want, I, I want you at Sycamore I want you to hear this. I want you to be able to take some ownership in the fact that there are people who want to come work here to gain experience with how we are trying to live out the kingdom of God. Though we are not a perfect expression of the kingdom. We want to be a faithful expression. And Armani is one of those who reached out to me saying, I want to come work at the Sycamore View Church. And I've had a number of other people reach out to me as well. And I send them an email and I say, can all of you respond back? Height, weight, what's your 40 time? How many push-ups can you do? And Armani beat them all, all right? Now, <clears throat> this is a, a mighty man of God, as Eric expressed earlier. 23, 24 years old, I don't remember, but... A dude who is full of the power of the Spirit. And this morning, uh, as you can see on the screen, we're starting a six-week series in Jonah. So you're going to hear Armani and I over the next six weeks lead you uh, in the book of Jonah. This is a book about hearing from God, about obedience, about disobedience, about uh, uh, call of God. Now, I know that some of us grew up in church traditions where just being called by God wasn't language we use much. Uh, and... Maybe you choose to use a different word. Maybe God nudges you, inspires you, encourages, whatever it may be. But Armani, I want to start out this morning so that people can get to know you a little more. How did the calling of God come up on your life? Share with us a little bit. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Is, are you hot? 
There we go. Hello, everyone. All right, there we go. Uh, as you said, I'm, I'm Armani. But, Josh, be, before I answer that question, um, last weekend, Josh actually had us over to his home with the other interns um, and Anna, and we had a delicious meal. So my hat goes off to Casey, the chef. Um, and then it came time for uh, dessert, and it was warm brownies out of the oven. Um, and then Casey asked everyone, would you prefer a middle piece or would you prefer an end piece? And everyone said a middle piece, but I kind of sheepishly raised my hand and said, I would like an end piece. Um, and Josh was the only other person who said he'd also like an end piece. And I knew in that moment that I was meant to be this man's intern. <laughs> uh, there, there something to that. The way, man. There's yeah. something to that verse. Don't be unequally yoked. And so we were definitely on the same page there. But man, um, really the call of God. Uh, about two years ago, man, uh, I was just starting my first semester of law school. Um, and there was one week in October where it just seemed like everything I had ever placed my identity in was systematically ripped away. I was in a relationship that was gone. Um, school was, for the first time, unbelievably difficult. Music wasn't going my way. Sports, I mean, there was nothing that I was involved in that was going my way. And in a, a week's time, everything that I put my identity in was being systematically ripped away. Um, and as Eric kind of mentioned, it was this disorienting disquieting time. Um, and I, I didn't know what was going on, but it was in the midst of that time um, where all of a sudden the Lord had my attention. Um, and in that time, he started to speak to me about all of my gifts and, and my heart and, and just enliven me to ministry. Um, and so all of a sudden, I had, I had ministry spoken over my life since I was a little boy, but I never wanted to do that. I, I told everyone, guys, I, I don't think that's me. Um, I, I don't want to do that which is why I went to law school. Um, but it was in that time where the Lord spoke to me and says, no, this is what I've created you for. And then a short time after, um, I literally had five churches without me seeking anything, without putting out any applications, absolutely nothing. Five churches contact me to either be their worship minister or to be uh, an assistant minister, preaching minister. And so I took that as a sign that the Lord was kind of nudging me towards ministry. And at that time, that's when I applied for my Master's of Divinity program and, and it's been just a, a sweet ride ever since. Yeah. And man, we look forward to staying in touch with how this journey unfolds. Now, mm -hmm. Armani and I are going to lead you through Jonah. And we felt before we dive into Jonah chapter 1, which you can already be trying to find your way there. It's a small little book in the Old Testament. It's in between Obadiah, which is like the Old Testament tweet, all right? It's like 140 characters. And Micah, all right? Um, but before we dive deep into the text, we felt like we needed to convince you why we need Jonah in the 21st century. Because I know a lot of us, if you know the story of Jonah, if you're familiar with it, a lot of times what we think is, oh, that's that cute story we studied back in VBS about that guy who got swallowed by a fish. And, that, and that's what we think of when we think of the story of Jonah. But we need to convince you that Jonah has so much more to give 21st century disciples and the 21st century church. I want to toss just a few things at you that we're going to be talking about the next few weeks and why I think this book is so important. Um, it is a book that is so beautiful in that uh, you see how God's heart from the very beginning is God values work and relationship. You see this from Genesis chapter 1 and 2 in the creation story how God invites people to be a part of his work. God invites Jonah to be a messenger to Nineveh multiple times. God could have spoken a word to Nineveh. God could have raised up someone else to go to Nineveh. But for some reason, God wanted Jonah 
thunder of God came. <laughs> Um, God, uh, do you think it sounded kind of like that when God spoke to Jonah, maybe? God wanted Jonah to be the messenger to Nineveh. So it's this beautiful story about how God invites people into working relationship. It's also a story about the struggle of risk and taking risks. And what happens when you feel the nudge and the prompting of God to do something that's going to make you a little uncomfortable, go to places that maybe you don't want to go, maybe even put you out on an island with someone with a message or a way of life that's going to be turned down where people may say things about you. It's this beautiful story about adventure and obedience. And, And I'm thankful for God. He's been really disciplining me in my life about the word obedience because I think I went through a period of my life where I was kind of tossing that word out because it sounded too much like legalism. Uh, And God's been teaching me that uh, there is a way to be obedient that leads to legalism, but obedience before the Lord leads to righteousness and holiness and godly living. And what you see in Jonah is this story about obedience and disobedience. And and something I love about Jonah, I can't wait to preach a sermon in two weeks uh, on on July 17th about chapter 3, where you get the sense that God really loves the people of Nineveh one of the most evil, immoral cities in that time. And God wanted them to experience the salvation of God. And if God loved Nineveh and wanted Nineveh to be saved, what place on earth does God God not want his salvation to spread? So Jonah helps teach us that to love the things God loves, to seek after the things God seeks after. Now, I asked Armani to toss out three or five reasons that uh, 21st century Christians and the 21st century church need the book of Jonah. So Armani's going to walk through five. They're going to be on the screen. Feel free to write these down, take notes. You can wait until all five are up there uh, and take a picture if you would like. So Armani, what are, give us five. Like, what is the good news that Jonah has to give us today? Yeah. Um, man, number one, uh, our God yesterday is, is, is our God today. Um, I think when you look through the story of Jonah, I, uh, the thing that we can't miss. Why don't you go to the, yeah. the handheld? Is that good? And turn that one off. Yeah. Is that good? All right. There we go. Because uh, back in the day, they didn't have microphones. And so our God yesterday <laughs> is our God today. Uh, Thanks, guys. But when, when you look at the story of Jonah, that's, that's one thing we see. We see his heart. And that's such good news for us today, uh, that his heart full of compassion and grace and kindness and his mindfulness is still for us today. Uh, number two, prayer matters and prayer works. Uh, as you're looking through the book of Jonah, you see so many different prayers. And every single time you see a God who is mindful, a God who is listening, uh, a God who uh, is responding to these prayers. And so uh, in the New Testament, when it says pray without ceasing, uh, I don't think the idea is to just pray nonstop and do nothing else. I think this idea is that no matter when you pray, that God is mindful and he's listening. So pray at any time because we have a God who is mindful. Number three, God works willingly through brokenness. Metanarratively, that is Jonah's story. God is deliberately working through the brokenness and the disobedience of this man. The fact that I'm on this stage speaking to you this morning is a beautiful example of how God willingly works through brokenness. The fact that you guys are here as sincere worshipers of God is evidence that God willingly works through brokenness. Number four, at times within the kingdom of God, to run from God 
is at times to run directly to him. Jonah was running in the opposite direction, and he ran right into him. How will we ever know the depths of God's grace without first feeling and knowing intimately the depths of our own depravity and fallenness? We understand his grace and his mercy in equal measure to how much we understand our own sin. And so even at times when we're running in the wrong direction, God is drawing us directly to him. And, and maybe this is someone's word this morning. Uh, I feel like maybe there's, there's someone here who's, who's been running, who's, who's been disobeying um, the, the call of God on their heart. And, and just gently, I, I want to say, stop running. Um, that, that, and, and maybe that's, that's your word for today, just to stop running. You have a God who will help you do that. And, and fifth, we have a God who wants it all, who absolutely wants it all. He, he didn't just want Jonah's heart. When you look through the story, we're going to meet some sailors. We're going to meet the Ninevites. And at the very end of the chapter, it talks about the cattle. It talks about the animals. We see a God who wants it all. Uh, and that's what he wants for us. He doesn't just want our hearts. He wants everything. He wants the city of Memphis. He wants this country. He wants the world. And at one point in history, he will have it all. And so that's really good news for us today. Yeah, just a, a few nuggets, all right, before we dive into chapter one. Uh, <clears throat> Jonah's name, one of, the, um, one of the meanings of Jonah's name is dove. Uh, Jonah didn't have many friends. If you haven't been able to tell, read the story. He doesn't have any friends. And I'm sure he had some people who are like, dude, your mom called you dove, all right? Now, I'm not making light of the word Jonah because there is this innocence that comes with the name, which in a way is how God wants us to live. This is why Jonah is not the same kind of name as Jezebel, all right, who, is, who stood for rebellion against God. Jonah means something really good. Uh, we'll talk more about Nineveh in the weeks to come. Jonah is about the mission of God. Now, I, I, I want to speak just a quick word to those. Uh, some of you read stories like Jonah. And uh, you read it and you're like, yeah, I believe it's true. Yeah, and you read stories in the Bible that sound like there's supernatural stuff. And you read those and you're like, I, I believe it's true. The Bible tells the story. And uh, I mean, God's done crazier things in the world. And uh, well, it's one of the craziest. But that God could do this. God could take a fish and swallow someone and keep them alive for three days. And you believe it. Some of you believe it because you I mean, you just trust the Lord and you believe in the Word. And some of you believe it because you're just gullible to the things of God. I don't know, all right? But I know some of you here um, may be a little more skeptical. There are times you read some stories like this and you're like, I'm just not buying it. A fish that swallows a guy and holds him for three days and then spits him out, I, I don't know. All right, now, let me throw this, throw this out there, okay? Uh, I believe all Scripture is God-breathed. I don't think that the first question that Jesus is going to or God's going to ask on Judgment Day is whether you believe Jonah to be true or not, all right? Um, here's where I want to invite everyone, even those of you who may be a little skeptical about stories like this. Jonah has so much to teach you about the heart of God, the mission of God, the call of God, the, uh, everything God is. When you read the book of Jonah, only two names are given, and it's God and it's Jonah. There'll be some big categories, like you'll have the sailors, you'll have a king, uh, and, and the people of Nineveh, but only two names are given. This is a book about God's interaction with a man and who God is in that. Uh, 
As we finish this sermon, we have four tables. We have four new prayer tables, two over here on my left, two on my right. And those are spaces that will be leading you in a little while to go and write out things about God's provision. Some of you right now could think of a moment or circumstance, something in your life where you're like, I can see God providing in my life right here. So these tables will become a place for you to celebrate. Some of you are thinking, here's a place in my life where I'm begging for the provision of God to come. And some of you, what you may need is a space to go and write that, okay, maybe God God's providing in my life right now, but I really can't see the way he is. So maybe my prayer to God is that he will open my eyes to see how his provision is taking place. Because if there's a story about God swallowing someone with a fish, uh, what can God not do to provide for you? Open your Bibles to Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Armani, lead us into Jonah. Verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amidi. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Um, And this is just the call of God. Uh, He spoke. uh, He was able to communicate to Jonah where Jonah knew what he was supposed to do. Um, And just for a brief moment, I just want to highlight the nature of God's speech, because God's speech is is a little bit different than our speech. Uh, For example, uh, our speech is just a bit more descriptive. Um, For example, um, Josh, if I were to say there's a car in the parking lot, you would know exactly what I meant. Uh, Our speech simply describes and is symbolic of realities. Uh, There's nothing about my speech that creates a car, um, but it's just a symbol for what a car is. Um, But God's speech is is categorically different. Uh, His speech, when he says car, when he says light, he isn't describing it. It happens. He's creating the reality with, with his speech. And so, and we see that time and time again. He says, let there be light, and light happen. He says, peace be still. And it wasn't that the waves and the wind listened. It was that his speech was creating that reality. And, and we feel that. He goes to the tomb of, of Lazarus, and he says, hey, go ahead and get up. And we know that um, people who have died don't hear and don't listen. But it was his speech that was creating that reality, which is why our Bible says that when his word goes forth. It never comes back to him void because it's his very speech that's creating whatever the reality will be. And so that's good news for us that we have a God who's still speaking, a God who's communicating. Um, but we, it's up to us to respond. Yeah, look at, look at verse 3 because it's so sad, all right? Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So two different, I mean, the verse begins and ends with Jonah ran away from the Lord, Joah fled from the Lord. Now, there are different levels of disobedience. Uh, They're all disobedience. There are times where maybe my boys are in the living room, and I look at them and I say, you need to go get your dishes off the table and put it in the sink. And they ignore me because maybe they're watching a show. So I have to repeat myself. Maybe they didn't hear me. Maybe they said, I'll do it in just a minute, and then they forgot. Or there could be the time when I say, hey, I need you to go get your dishes from the table and go put them in the sink. And they stand up and they give me that look like, whatever, I don't know who you are. And they totally walk away and go to their room. Now, it's not even close to the same thing that happens with Jonah but I want you to catch this image. When Jonah flees from the Lord, it's not just Jonah saying no. It's Jonah going in the complete opposite direction of the way God told him to go. 
So it, he totally evades the call of God. Now, this is where Jonah is more true for us than maybe we want to admit and realize. Uh, and as Jonah goes in the wrong, other direction, in verse 4, the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up, and all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. Now, maybe he was so tired because he was emotionally exhausted, he's physically exhausted, but let me throw out another option. I think there are times when we can rebel against the Lord and be disobedient before God, and we do it over and over again, and we begin to feel peace in our rebellion. I think Jonah was so complacent in the decision he made to run away from God. He was so complacent in his disobedience and rebellion that there wasn't a heart that was seeking after the things of God or to make it right for God or even to repent. As he's going away from the Lord, he was so complacent in his rebellion, that he falls into a deep sleep, that even this huge storm couldn't wake him up. Uh, Armani, I'll put you in the spot in front of some people you're just getting to know. Have you ever ran away from the Lord? Yes, unfortunately. Can you tell uh, us a story? We, yeah. we want to have some stuff on you, man. For sure. Uh, man, I have so many to choose from. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, man, a few years ago, uh, my home congregation back in, in Rochester, New York, uh, we went through a pretty hard church split. Um, just within the leadership, there were some factions that just didn't see eye to eye, and um, it was just a painful and, and hurtful time for so many in, involved. Um, and, and I really felt like there were uh, some people who just weren't living out the, the call of God well in their lives. Um, and so for a while, all of my prayers were, God, man, I just want to see your justice. I just want this to be swift. Uh, I don't want grace for them. I just, I just want to see you enact your wrath and your justice. Um, and, and I was resisting this call in my heart to pray for them. Um, I, I was, I, and I wasn't rooting for their salvation. I wasn't rooting for them to come to know Christ and, and have a deeper understanding of his grace. Um, and for a long time, I just resisted that. I, I, mean, I refused. And, but over time, gently, the Lord just kept tapping my shoulder and saying, Armani, I need you to pray for them. And it was much less about them and much less about the situation, much more about my own heart. The Lord was exposing some of my own sin in my own heart. And, and so for uh, probably six months, I refused to pray for people I knew I should be praying for. And so that was just one of the ways in which I deliberately ran from the call of God in my life, man. Yeah, and Ar Armani, I think about my own life a couple of different levels. When Casey and I, we got married in Abilene, we were in college. And the first four years of our marriage, we were in Abilene. I was finishing grad school. Uh, and then we were looking, where are we going to move to? And I remember we sat down and we had this time of prayer that went on for a few days, a few weeks. We were like, okay, let's lay before the Lord where we would like to live one day. And let's also lay before the Lord the cities that we do not want to be called to. And which consisted of one city, Houston, Texas. We're like, man, we do not want to move to Houston. It's hot. It's humid. The traffic's awful. When I get stuck out here on I-40 and, um, uh, or 240 and I-40, I just think back to being stuck in traffic in Houston. And I thank God that my traffic is like 15 minutes, you know. Uh, and, and of all places, God sent us there. And I remember then we were had prayers. We're like, man, we just want to raise kids in Texas. We don't want to have to leave Texas. And eight years ago, boom, we come to Memphis. 
And I think I've tried to trick God a few times now over the last 12 years where I'm like, God, I never want to plant a church in Honolulu, Hawaii, all right? Uh, I refuse to go to Cabo, all right, to preach, okay? Um, God doesn't, he doesn't work that way. I can think of other times when I have sensed God putting someone in my life who I knew they were not walking with the Lord. And God had opened ways for me to engage these people in relationships that would be hard, but where I could try to speak a word of Christ into their lives. And I can think of times where I faithfully walked through those doors, and I can think of times I ran away because it was going to be too difficult. In my life, the times when I feel like I've been the most disobedient before the Lord is when I can clearly see a path God has given me to connect with other individuals. Maybe that I know, maybe I don't know. And I didn't walk the path because I was too fearful of someone not wanting to hear what I have to say. Uh, I was fearful of failure or rejection. And now the Lord is kind of bringing me through some of that to have a more obedient, faithful life. Um, And this is why I think Jonah is so important, because we're more like Jonah than we want to admit. The church is more like Jonah than we want to admit. And now, look in verse 7. Armani is going to lead us through verse 7 through verse 16, because Armani and I have read Jonah over the last six weeks, I don't know how many times, and God has just blown us away by what he's revealed to us. So, Armani, uh, talk to us some about the sailors. If you guys have your Bibles, go go ahead and flip open. If not, um, just kind of listen. Um, let's just kind of read a little bit of it, and, and let's, let's dive into it. Um, and really, I mean, this is such a, a rich part of this, this, uh, this book. And so it, it's our hope to just kind of throw some truth at your heart and trust that the Holy Spirit will enliven that truth and, and will guide you in, in what is needed and what will be helpful. Um, then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. Uh, so they cast lots. And the lot fell on Jonah, so they asked him, tell us who was responsible for making all this trouble for us. And then they gave him just a rundown. They said, we need to know everything about you. They said, what kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country from? What people are you? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? It says they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them he was doing. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. And I'm not a sailor. And so if I could, just for a moment, allow me to throw an analogy at you. And if it's not helpful, feel free to let it fall to the ground. If it's helpful, please catch it. Um, During the school year, I live in Malibu, California. Um, And so we have this beautiful road called PCH. And so um, just for a moment, just walk with me. I'm, I'm in the car, and I'm driving with uh, a few of my friends. Um, we're, we're listening to music, uh, probably Christian rap, because we're in the world but not of the world. Um, <laughs> and we're driving, and, and I look up ahead, and I see a, a guy probably about 6'3", handsome guy, has dreads. And so I stop and I open up the door. He says he needs a ride. I said, hey, do you need a ride? He says, yes. Hello, my name is Eric Wilson. Can I get a ride? And so we opened up and we let him into the car. Uh, and the very first thing he says, oh, by the way, I'm running from the Lord. Now, that would have given me great pause right then and there. And so we keep on driving down PCH. 
And we start driving, and all of a sudden, the radio stops working. And then maybe a mile further down the road, all of a sudden, it starts raining, and our windshield wipers won't turn on. And before you know it, we have a flat tire, and we have to ask him, hey, man, what, what did you say again? You said you were running from the Lord? And so we stop, and, and we have to figure this thing out. But I want you to catch something about the story that I missed probably the first four times I read through this book. And as we read on, I think you're going to see it. Jonah says, hey, guys, throw me off of this boat. Throw me into the sea, and this storm is going to stop. Eric's saying, guys, just stop and let me out. I'll, I'll figure it out. But you guys don't deserve this. So they stop, and, but these guys refuse at first, to throw this man into the ocean. They try their very best to get him back to shore. And then maybe about the fifth time reading through this, it absolutely hit me that we need hearts just like the sailor. That, that too many times, I can confess in my life, and I think the church as a whole, there's too many times where we have that one group that we feel like is, is causing storms. That one group that it will be just be so much easier to throw them out and everything will be smooth. But I think maybe one of the truths in this book for us is that we need to be a people who are willing to go through some storms to help bring people to the solid ground of the shore. To not be so quick to just throw out things maybe we don't agree with right away or someone who's different than us. That's far too easy. But there's something about the hearts of these sailors that said, man, we're going to try our very best to get you back to the shore. We don't want to throw you out even though they knew it was his fault why this storm was coming. So maybe that's just a word for us. But this is where it gets really sweet. At the very end, around verse 15 and 16, it says, they threw him into the ocean, and, and the ocean grew calm. It grew incredibly calm. And it says, at this, the man greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And I want you to see this. God just saved some sailors through the deliberate disobedience of Jonah. They went from first just hearing about this Lord and then seeing this God interact through the disobedience of Jonah's life. And then at the end, once they threw him in and they saw the, the storm grow calm, they were in full-fledged belief, I believe. So much so that they thanked him. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And vows in that day were extremely serious. You didn't just make a vow. Right. Like it wasn't just say, I mean, I promise. It was something so much, so much more than that. A vow was a very serious thing. And it's sweet because we see the heart of God who's mindful, who's compassionate, who's gracious, who was mindful of these sailors long before the sailors came in contact with him. And so that's good news for us, that even in our disobedience, we have a God who has a heart who wants to draw all men to him. Yeah, so the first sacrifice, the first act of worship in the book of Jonah is not the person who knew the story of God. It's sailors who woke up that day having no clue they were about to have an encounter with the great I Am. Um. Look back in verse 10, Jonah shared his testimony with them. He told them what there is to know about God and why he was fleeing away from the Lord. 
The problem with Jonah wasn't that he wasn't really sure who God was. In a way, it's that he knew too well who God was. And he ran from it. And then they throw him into the sea. And I can't help but think, in what you just read in verse 16, uh, these sailors begin worshiping the Lord. They're offering sacrifices. And I can't help but think, I wonder if part of the reason God sent the fish in that moment was out of his response to the people who were worshiping the Lord for his salvation. Because in verse 17, it begins with four, four words. Four words we're going to leave you with this morning. But God provided. But the Lord provided. These are four words that need to be more than just something that floats on the sea. They need to be four words that become an anchor for your soul. That they go deep into who you are today. Four words that someone in here needs to share with a friend before you go to bed tonight. That the Lord provided for Jonah and the Lord's providing for you. And let's seek and search what that provision looks like. So um, as we end uh, this message, we're going to sing a couple of songs about the faithfulness of God. I want to ask those who are praying if you'll go to your places this morning to receive people. Uh, for shepherds who may not be up front or in the back uh, with a spouse, could we get maybe one or two shepherds? We have four new prayer tables. If a couple of you go, will go and just stand next to those tables. Uh, Armani and I want to end with a prayer of God's provision over us. As we end this prayer, we have a couple of songs we're going to sing, and we invite you to go to one of the tables this morning, either celebrating how you acknowledge, you're able to acknowledge and articulate how God is providing for you right now, or maybe this is a space where you're crying out for the provision of God to come into your life. Can we stand together as we pray and as we sing? Let's stand. I want to ask for you to close your eyes, uh, maybe bow your heads. If you're willing, uh, comfortable, just open your hands before the Lord where you are. And let's pray. God, you are faithful when we are faithless. You are amazingly good when we don't deserve it. Uh, God, wherever you have prompted someone this morning of disobedience or rebellion or running from you, place in front of them Jesus, who speaks words of a conviction only to speak words of invitation to come back to you and to deeper places in your heart and your mission. God, if any words came from Armani and I this morning that did not honor you, your truth, your mission, your heart, your character, uh, may those words fall to the ground and bear no fruit and not be remembered. But if we spoke words that honor who you are and what you are about, may those words sink deep into the hearts of people, establish roots, and bear great fruit. Father, we thank you. Um, our, our hands are open this morning, so Lord, we invite you to take out of them whatever you need, um, but we also ask you to press into them what you know we need. Father, you're good. Uh, you are faithful beyond measure. Amen. As, as your word says, you who always keep your covenant of love with those who walk steadfastly in your way and even those who don't walk steadfastly in your way. Lord, we confess that you are faithful beyond measure. Uh, we confess that you provide. 
at exactly the right moment. Never a second too early, never a second too late. Lord, we ask that you do what you've promised to do and guide us into all truth. Um, You know where all of these hearts are this morning, Father. Some are in despair. Some are full of hope. Some are are joyful. Um, And, Lord, there's so many variations thereof. Um, But we take great comfort in knowing that you are mindful of each and every place, that you are with them, that you are entering into whatever they are this morning. And so we need you. We love you. We confess that you are a provider and that your faithfulness is great. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.